I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. As they were singing that song, I began to think of the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. And the Bible tells us that there are some beasts that are there in the heavenly places. And day and night, they say, holy, holy, holy. To him that was, that is, and that is to come. And they continually say that. They, they grow not weary of it. They recognize and realize that he is holy. They realize and they acknowledge the fact that he was holy. And they reaffirm the fact that he shall always be holy. And therefore I worship him. Because He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is the one that was in the beginning, and He will be the same one in the end of days. I worship Him because of who He is, not who I am. Thank God. I am thankful to be here tonight. Appreciate the goodness of God, His mercies, His kindness. Uh, it's it's always it's always fun to go out with my kids and eat and don't look like he eats, but I do. And of course, I've got a few years head start on him, so maybe he catches up with me, he might catch up to me. I hope not. Thank God. But it, it is always good. And I, I was thinking Tuesday we were in, I was, I was made to think, Brother Jonathan came to me tonight and made mention of the fact that he was in Seymour and went to a conference. On Tuesday we were in Edinburgh. We had went into Cracker Barrel down there uh, to to eat. We came out and uh, I saw my wife standing there talking to some people in a little car. And I thought, well, she probably knows them. She knows everybody within 300 miles of here, so she probably knows who they are. And I got in the car. We had a flat tire. I was on on the phone with roadside assistance to get them there because I don't change tires. In 45 years of driving, that was the second flat tire I've ever had, Brother Spees. And I didn't change the first one that went flat, so <laughs> I wasn't about to change the second one. And she uh, she, she opened the, the van door and she said, hey, the, these these people here, this guy wants you to pray with them. And I said, well, that's fine. I'll I'll do that, and got out, and we began to talk, and I talked with them for several minutes and prayed with them. The, uh, it was a father and a son. The, uh, the dad had had his legs amputated for whatever reason. The son said, I take him to any Pentecostal service that I can get him to. 
Brother Jonathan was at a conference and, uh, over the, this weekend, and he came to me and he said, I ran into a couple of guys, a dad and a son. And uh, to make the, the story short, uh, they were at this conference, and the dad was, it was the dad that was praying for the Holy Ghost or the boy? The boy certainly needed it. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say I have uh, a discernment of spirits, but there are some things that are quite obvious. And the boy certainly needed the Holy Ghost. But you know, the, the Lord just knows how to put people in your path at the right time. And to speak a word and then to confirm the word. And it was a confirmation to them that uh, they were in the right place because they, they met somebody that knew somebody that they had met. No accolades on me or my wife, no, no, no flowers or glory there, but rather just the fact that somebody was willing to, to reach out. And, you know, that's, that's just, that's just the way that, that Jesus works, the goodness of the Lord, how he works. I, I, sit down for a minute, we'll read here in a minute. I, I, I will re, refresh your memory of, an account of my mother in 1962. Now, some of you all didn't even know there was a year called 1962, but there was. I was alive. And my mother was going to a denominal Pentecostal church. They were very rapidly throwing their standards out the windows. And... The church that she was going to was in Griffith, Indiana. We lived in Highland, Indiana at the time. The church was in Griffith, which would be from here to Ellettsville. And on Sunday night, the church there, the pastor had a parsonage next door, and at Sunday night at five minutes to eight, didn't matter what was going on, the pastor left. And... My mother began to question that, and she had been had been seeking the face of God. Uh, she she said, I, "I was concerned about sliding the Trinity." She said, "I was concerned about praying too much to the Father and not giving the Son and the Holy Ghost enough attention." And she said, it worried me. Now, some may say, well, that's stupid. That's silly. And it was a real concern. And it was the stepping stone to put her in the path to begin to seek the face of, of God, to find out who God really was. And one of the old ladies there at that church told her, said, well, Sister Arlene, didn't you know Pastor so-and-so has to get home uh, because candid camera comes on? And that, that really kind of just put a pin in the balloon that my, my mother was holding, and she began to really seek the face of God. And she said, I, I, I need to know. I want to know. I feel like there, maybe there's a place where there's more. And so we went, my dad, my mother, and myself, we went back to Dayton, Ohio, where my mother was from, where I was born, and where my mother and dad had gotten married. My grandparents lived there, and 
and went back for a visit. It was no easy task to make that what is now a three-hour trip. Back then it was an eight-hour trip because it was all two-lane back roads. There was no highway from northern Indiana. Uh, and so she got there. And she walked into a little grocery store. And she saw a lady she had went to school with for the Krause. Goldie was her name. Not, that's not an acronym. It, that was her name, Goldie. And my mother said, Goldie looked like a neon sign. She was just lit up. And not with alcohol. But said she was just radiating. And she said, I went through her line and she said, Goldie. She said, what in the world has happened to you? And she looked at my mother and she said, Arlene, let me tell you what I have found. She said, I have found Jesus. She said, I have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, my mother said, stop right there if you're Jesus only. And Goldie said, let me tell you something, Arlene. It's only Jesus. It's not Jesus only. And she said, if you are hungry... And she said, I know you're hungry because the Lord's already told me that you have a desire to know Him. She said, if you're hungry, you will begin to call on the name of Jesus. My mother said, oh no, I don't want nothing to do with that. She walked out the store, but she was haunted by what she saw. She found out that there was an apostolic church on Ridge, or not Ridge Road, it was Kennedy Boulevard. We'd get to Kennedy Boulevard, we'd go left, and we'd go three miles, and we'd be at the other church. We get to Kennedy Boulevard, we go right, and we go three miles, and we would be at Evangelistic Temple, the Apostolic Church. And Mom said, "Well, I'm just going to go and visit." Mm. That was the first mistake that the devil let her make. She said, "When I went there." And I will remember for as long as I live, by the help of the Lord, how that church was laid out. When you, uh, there was about 16 stairs that you would walk up in the front. You would walk into a lobby. There were stairs going to the basement. On your right, the pastor's office was straight ahead. You would take about, go up about 10 feet. You would turn to the right, and there were doors to enter into the sanctuary. And she said, when I walked up the steps, and she said, I had you in tow. And she said, I walked in. She said, it felt good when I walked in. But she said, when I walked through the double doors into the sanctuary, she said, it was like I left the world. And she said, I went in and said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall into this. I'm just going to check it out. The next Sunday, we got to Ridge Road or Kennedy Boulevard, and we turned right again. After several months, she called Brother Muncie, and she said, I need to to talk with you. And he said, absolutely, Arlene. 
her sister Arlene, and she said, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, well, let's talk about this. And he sat down, and he made sure that she understood and she was ready. And he said, there will be opposition. And she said, I already know that. He said, and if you are prepared to face the opposition, then truly you are ready. She said, I know what I need to do. And she said, I understand now who Jesus is. And so on Wednesday night, she was baptized in Jesus' name. That's been many, many years ago, uh, 1963, in the summer of 63. But it was the goodness of God that brought her to a place. It was God's goodness that allowed Goldie to be in the place where my mother was going to go into. It was that setting things up at the other place that allowed her to realize there's more to serving the kingdom of God and being a part of that than what's going on here. And so tonight, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. We are going to read one verse there, and then we are going to the book of Psalms. Romans 2 and 4, Or or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And then in Psalms chapter 119, Longest book in the Bible, right in the middle of the book. In verse 71, David pins the words, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Let's all pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we're thankful tonight for this chance to be found in your house. We're thankful tonight, Jesus, for another opportunity to come and to worship you. I'm thankful, Jesus, I know who you are and that you have revealed yourself to me in your entirety. Now, Jesus, I pray tonight you would anoint this vessel, anoint our hearts to receive that from you which you would have us to receive. Cause us to understand and to know how great you really are. Jesus, I pray tonight for your anointing, your blessing, your moving in this place. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Turn around and shake somebody's hand, and you can be seated. God's goodness. God's goodness. The book of Psalms, again, as I said a moment ago, is the longest book in the Bible. It is 150 chapters. The 119th Psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible with 176 verses. And every verse either directly mentions or alludes to the Word of God. It is the book that some say, well, perhaps it was David. Some say perhaps it was 
uh, one of the other Old Testament patriarchs, but I would tell you by the tone of the writing that David wrote most, if not all, of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a book that was written with a, a desire to illustrate the wondrousness and the beauty and the magnificence of the God of the Old Testament and the God of our New Testament. And as the writer begins to pin the words, he stops at different times and he says different things. But he comes here to the 119th Psalm and he begins to write. And he is probably reminiscing and going back to a time in his life where things were not going the way that he wanted them to go. There was a time in his life that he had been in the house of Saul and everything was going along real good. And then suddenly the spirit of, of deception, a spirit of the world, a spirit of hatefulness fell and descended upon Saul because of his disobedience. And because of that, Saul decided that he was going to rid himself of David. David began to go on the run. He began to leave everything behind that he loved so dearly. He left his family. He left his friends. He wept on the shoulder of Jonathan, the best friend that he had ever had, that he loved dearly even more than a brother. And yet he was in this place and he began to journey from where the Lord had established him. I was thinking the other night as someone was preaching, and I, I don't remember if it was uh, the other night with with. Uh, Brother Winters or, or who it was. But nobody can keep you from where the Lord wants you to go. Nobody can keep you from the destination Jesus has in store for you if you are walking with Him. And David is here in this place and there is probably a time in his life in the quietness of the midnight and in the calm of the evening that he, when he sits down and he begins to think, why has this happened to me? I went out and I killed the giant. God, when I was out on the field and there, when the lion came out, I slew the lion. And you gave me the power over the bear. Why have you brought me to this place? I don't understand why I'm being afflicted. I don't know why I'm going through this hard trial. I don't understand why I'm going through this place where it seems so dark and dismal and there is no end in sight for the things that I want. I don't understand why that you're taking me down through this. David had penned the words, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. But here he is in this place. Everything is gone. His children are gone. His family is gone. He's out here by himself with just a few men in the midst of the wilderness all alone. And everything begins to settle in on him. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to send on David and let him know, David, I've got a plan for your life. You may not think that things are going right. You may not think that things are going the way that they ought to. But my goodness is there. And in my goodness, I will bring you through to the place that I have called you to be. 
God's goodness. David is there in the wilderness. He no doubt reminisces about the great days when he was there in the house of Saul. Reminisces about the days when he came in and they were singing, Cause Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. No doubt he's reminiscing about the fact that he was going to be the heir to the throne. But now it's all gone away. But in the midst of it all, David settles down and he says, It's been good. It's been good. It's been good. God, you've been good to me. That you've afflicted me. That you could cause me to understand who I am and who you are so that I can understand that you're far greater than I could ever imagine or I could ever embrace or I could ever know because your goodness. Sometimes we go through trials. Sometimes we go through troubles. Sometimes we go through tests. You know, I, I, I thought is. Brother Anthony was talking about Brother Allen's sister. Sometimes things happen. David said it was good. God was good to me to afflict me. God was good to me to, to bring me some trouble. You know, you've heard it said before. But I'm going to tell you, if I've never been sick and Jesus never healed me, I couldn't tell you he's a healer. Not really. If I'd never been broke, never had no money in my pocket, and had my bills come due, and Jesus come by and provide for me, I couldn't tell you that Jesus is a provider. If I had been in a place where that I didn't know which way I was going to go or how I was going to work it out and Jesus came through and began to make a way I could not tell you from my heart that he is a way maker and that he is a provider let me tell you something tonight it is God's goodness in our lives that moves us each and every day it is God's goodness in our lives that takes us through the dark places it is God's goodness in our lives that takes us through the valley. It is God's goodness that takes us through the rivers, through the fire, through the flood, through the trials, through the enemies to prove how great He really is. Isaiah penned the words when thou passest through the fire. It shall not kindle upon thee. But when thou passest through the flood, it shall not overflow thee. David went on to say in one place in the Psalms, I believe it's about the 138th. He said, though a thousand fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, it shall not come nigh thee. Why? Because of the goodness of God. We look around and we see things beginning to happen and we look around and, and sometimes and somebody here tonight evidently is going through a hard place in your life. But let me tell you something. In the midst of your hard place, Jesus is still good and he will bring you through. In the midst of your hard trial, Jesus is still in charge and he will provide for you. In the midst of that area that you're at in your life, that you don't understand, that you don't know why, the goodness 
presence of God is still there, moving in your behalf, making a way for you, opening doors, and providing what needs to be provided. I look at Job, the man who's rich, the man that had much, the man that was respected and revered, the man that they came to and they said, Job, let me get your opinion about something here. Tell me what you think. He was valued. But one day we read that Satan himself came before the throne of God God said, where you been, boy? Well, I've been, I've been just kind of loafing around. I've been looking for somebody just to take advantage of. I've been looking for somebody just to, you know, pull it over on them. Have you thought about my servant Job? Have mercy. I'm going to just sit back here. I'm afraid I ain't going to get close. God have mercy. I'm just going to hide. I don't don't want the Lord. The devil comes up and says, I've been looking around. Have you considered my servant, Doug? It's all right, Jesus. It's all right. And I'm not stingy to give somebody else. The devil left. Little bitty come back. We read where that he takes everything that Job's got except his health and his wife. Now I'm going to give you my spin on his wife here in a minute. Some will like it and some won't. And I don't care. Satan comes back. And he said, God, he said, I've been walking around. He said, yeah, but skin for skin. He said, you've let me take all of his stuff. You let me take all of his, his things. All of his, his pretties and his baubles. You've let me take all of the things that were significant and that were a sign of his, his richness and his, his abilities and his, his standing in the community. But let me touch him. God said, do whatever you want, just you can't kill him. <sighs> Brother Anthony, I'm telling you, I've been sick a time or two. I've been so sick before that that, that old booger head come up to me one, one morning, one o'clock in the morning. Pardon me for being graphic and crude, but I had the dry heaves come up to me and he said, I'm going to kill you. And I said, go ahead and get her done, but you ain't going to stop the gospel. You kill me, I'm going on. I'm going to sleep in Jesus and I've got it made then. You do what you want to do, but it's all right. I'm going ahead. Here he comes and he goes after Job. Job says, the thing I greatly feared has came upon me. Here he is. He's lost his children. He's lost his servants. He's lost his possessions. He's lost everything that he had. And now the final straw is his health is gone. He is covered from the top of his head to the soles of his feet with sore boils. And he takes a piece of pottery and scrapes himself trying to get some relief 
from the pain and the agony. And people are walking by, wagging their heads at him, saying, what in the world is wrong with him? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you're going through hard trials and when you're going through things, there will be those that will come walking by and say, what in the world have you done to bring this on you? Why have you been in the sin? Where have you been living? No, it ain't about that. It's about, man, the Lord must have some confidence in that dude. The Lord must believe and have some faith if you know that they're serving the Lord. And here is old Job. There in that place, his wife comes to him. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. His wife comes to him and knows that the only thing that's keeping him alive is his confidence, his love, and his faith in God. And she said, why don't you curse God and die? People say, well, she was hateful. She loved the man and didn't want to see him suffer no more. And she knew the only thing that was keeping him around was that faith. And she realized that if he would curse God, that he would die. And she wanted to see him get out of his suffering. But he said, woman, you speak as a foolish woman. Don't you understand? The Lord came and the Lord takes away. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Job went down into the valley. Job went through hell itself. Self. Job went through a place that he said, I wish that I could find him. But one of these days, I shall see him in my flesh. I'm going to lay my eyes on him. Why? Because he realized God was good and his goodness was still there for him. Job went through the agony, the fear, the suffering. He had a faith and a confidence that was proven. And yet the humanity side of Job came out. He was afraid. The frailty of this flesh. I'm telling you, if you've never been through hard trials and questioned things, you've never been through hard trials. If you've never been in a place where things were going wrong and you didn't know what to do, and you thought, God, why in the world? What in the world? I've been doing my best. I've been serving you the best I can. I've been paying my tithe. I've been giving my offering. I've been faithful to the house of God. I've been obedient and I've done the things that my pastor has asked and the church believes in. And I've been faithful to, to do the things that are required. And I don't understand. I want to remind you that it's the goodness of God that takes us and afflicts us so that we may know better what His Word says. So that we may know better who He is. So that we may have a better understanding and that we may know Him. Oh, that I may know Him in the, in the sufferings. That I might know Him in how that he went through things that I might know him and understand who he really is that I can serve him better and that I can love him you see it is not it is not the fact that the trial is so large it's the fact that Jesus is so much bigger it's not the fact that the affliction is so heavy it's the fact that he said, I am he that had made you, and I will carry you. He said, I made you, and I'll snatch you up and I'll carry you. You see, when you get weary, he's like a daddy. He'll pick you up 
because he is my daddy. He picks you up and he'll begin to carry you. He'll begin to see you through. It's God's goodness. Sometimes things happen to us to cause us to understand that perhaps there is shortcoming in our lives. Sometimes things happen to us to cause us to realize that we need to find a place of repentance. And it's His goodness that brings me to that place of repentance. It's His goodness that causes me to realize, hey, I've made an error. I I stop and I begin to look at the error of my ways. And I begin to see the things that I have been doing that are not maybe exactly what he wants me to do. And therefore I begin to repent. Oh, like David, I say, oh, it's good for me. It's been good for me to have my problems. It's been good for me to have my troubles. It's been good for me to have my afflictions. Why? Not so that I could glory in them, but rather that I could glory in him, knowing that he has been good to me to bring me through, to bring me to it. And to take me through it and to bring me out of it and to see me through God's goodness some musicians would come we see that there are many that they they don't understand Brother Jack was talking to me the other day about something he had saw on Facebook Someone had made a comment, and it's it's a comment that we're going to hear more and more in this last age. People that are looking to excuse themselves, looking for a way to sidestep obedience sacrifice the will of God. And he said that the thing that really, really fired me up was the fact that there were others that had been a part of our church that began to side with this individual and said, yes, absolutely. You're exactly right. It's a bunch of legalism, and I may be adding some things to it. It's a bunch of things that just really aren't important. Well, let me tell you something. If the Holy Ghost convicted me of it 25 years ago, the Holy Ghost doesn't change. If when I came into the church and was filled with the Holy Ghost in 1969 and the Holy Ghost told me certain things then, 51 years later, the Holy Ghost is still telling me the same thing. He has not changed, not one bit. He's gotten better. He's gotten sweeter. He's grown stronger in my life. But we live in an age where sin is the norm and righteousness is not normal. We live in an age where doing what's right 
is oftentimes looked down upon. I had to, I had to smile as we would stand. Brother Elliot's father-in-law came into the dealership. I had not seen him for a number of years. Brother Jacks, my boss, knew him. And he knew, we got to talking, and he knew Becca Elliott, Brother Ronnie Elliott's wife. And then to just put the icing on top of the cake with whipped cream and cherries, Brother Ronnie Elliott, he knew him. He had went over to his dad's house, and they had went swimming. But now here's the best part. He said, yeah, it was kind of funny. He said, Ronnie would come over to our house. He said, come over to my dad's house, and he'd go swimming, and said he was the only guy that jumped in with a T-shirt and blue jeans. Somebody said, do what? He said, he's Pentecostal, and they believe in holiness. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing but good things to say. Respect. What am I saying? It's God's goodness that brings things together. Two of the other boys that Brother Jack and I work with have people that they know in this church. They have some connection with this church. They know what this church believes and stands for because they've got connections with this church. What am I saying? It's the goodness of God that He leads us and guides us. He takes us through dark places sometimes so that we can be a light to those that are in the darkness that they may see Him that is leading us. He takes us through the valley so those that are wandering lost in the valley can see that there is one that will lead them out of that place and to the mountaintop and out of that place of despair. It's when they begin to see and realize there is a God that is filled with goodness and He loves me. I'll say one more thing. The altar is open. 71 years old when my dad finally repented of his sins. After it was all said and done, he repented of his sins on a Sunday night. He was baptized on a Wednesday night in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And for the next 10 years of his life, he lived a holy, sanctified, separated, godly life and was an example to anybody that wanted to know about worship, about loving Jesus and serving Him. And the question was posed to him. His nickname was Doc. He said, Doc, why did it take you so long? You'd been faithful to attend church for 30 years. You, you were more faithful than the minister sometimes. He said, it was because I didn't think God's goodness and grace could reach to where I was at. He said, I thought I was worse and that His goodness couldn't reach me. But He said, I realized on that Sunday night, He let me know my 
my goodness, goes beyond your failure. My goodness goes beyond your shortcoming. And he said, when I realized and I saw him there spiritually standing with his arms open wide, reaching to me and saying, come on, I got a place for you. He said, I couldn't turn away because I knew his goodness was leading me to that place. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter about your past. You see, it's the goodness of God. The trial you're going through, His goodness will see you through. And it's time that we begin to acknowledge and say, Jesus, I love you. I bless you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. I'm not going to thank you for the hard trial, but I'm going to thank you for bringing me through the hard trial. I'm not going to bless you because of the heartache and the woe. I'm going to bless you because you're God and you will see me through and you will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm not going to bless you for the heartache and the pain and all the suffering, but I am going to bless you because that you are the God that will take the heartache and the pain and the suffering away from me and that one day I'm going to see you as you are. This altar is open. I invite you tonight to come. You can worship Him right where you're at. I invite you to come and begin to magnify Him, not for your trial, but for bringing you through the trial. I invite you tonight to come and begin to say, Jesus, Your goodness is better than what I deserve, but I want to bless You, and I want to praise You, and I want to honor You. I want to glorify Your name and give You everything that's within me. I want to serve You. God bless you tonight. No one can give you peace You cannot understand